0: Caroline Band. Let's give him another hand. Yeah. Chris, thank you for uh, your communion message. I thought I, I wouldn't have to speak up here after that, but it was awesome. It moved my heart. Well, good morning, everyone. I hope everyone is just having a great day so far. My name is Zaldi Villaverde, and our topic for today is when you believe in God but still worry all the time. And this message is for people that have worries, anxieties, and troubles in their lives. If you don't have any of these, then this message might not be for you. But if you have had troubles, have had worries, that make you rely on yourself rather than God, then maybe what we read in the Bible might, be, might help you out. And most of you know me. I'm a pretty quiet guy. I don't talk much, except when I'm up here. But you probably won't hear me um, telling jokes. Mostly because I forget the punchline. But up here, you know, I have my notes to back me up. And one of the great cures for me, for, uh, for my worries, is laughter. And I believe God wants us to be happy. God wants us to laugh together, to enjoy life. And I, I, I came up, I saw this, or I read this, um, and I thought it was pretty funny. And if you don't laugh, well, I'll probably laugh. <laughs> but this is a story. One day, a little girl was watching her mom cleaning up, doing dishes. And she noticed something about her mom. And she said, Mom, how come some of your hair is turning white? And the mom says, you know, when I'm, when something hurts me, when you do something that hurts me or makes me worried, it turns my hair white, one of my hair white. So the little girl thinks about this for a while, and after a while, she says to her mom, but mom, grandma's hair is all white. And so, you know, what does this tell about the, the grandma? no. You know, worry. If worry causes our our hair to turn white, then my hair would probably be all white right now. For me, worry is something that I constantly have to fight. It is something that I have to fight to overcome. So when I'm talking, this is for me also. And Christian atheists, they find something to worry about all the time. And You know, I believe everyone worries and gets anxious occasionally. But a Christian atheist, however, will worry more than the average person. For instance, when a problem arises, guess who has to fix it? The the Christian atheist. It's not going to be God. It's going to be them. And I, I think worry is a sin. It is telling us, it is telling God that we don't trust him and the things that's going to happen. When worry sets in, our lives become all about who? Become about us, me, myself, and I. And God is very clear. He wants us to be free from worry. In Matthew 6, and this scripture was shared a few weeks ago by uh, C. Burns, Uh, also Brian shared it with the men's uh, midweek. But I think it's so relevant for today. It says, "Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or what your body about or about your body, what you will wear? Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them." Are you not much more valuable than they? are? Than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Next one. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you not that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the, into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of your little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? When will I be able to find a house, or when will I be able to pay my bills, or when will I get married, or when will I have stru- st- stop having tro- struggles in my life, or when will I get, well, I get a raise? Verse 32, it says, For the pagan run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And this is such a great scripture, and how radically our lives would be if we would just follow the scripture every day. If we just put this passage into practice, how how different our lives would be. If we read this and say, Lord, I will not worry, I refuse to worry. Now, when Jesus says do not worry, I don't think he said not to have concerns or don't take care of things. I don't think he's advocating being irresponsible. He's not telling you to be one of those people that say, I don't worry about the bills. God will take care of it. (laughs) And He's saying, don't allow the things of the world take away your faith in God. Don't allow these things to control you, that they consume you. And worries are—it's like a rocking chair. You know, it gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. Yeah. And in the English Standard Version, it says, you know, it uses the word, do not be anxious. And when you are anxious, you're always on the edge. You know, you're waiting for something to happen that hasn't even happened. You're always tense, you're always discontent, and always hoping for things that may happen or may not happen. And I'm just going to read the message version of uh, Matthew 6. I love this version because it's, it's so contemporary. It's so relatable. Um, it says, if you decide for God, living a life of God worship, it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There are far more to your life than the food you put in your stomach, more to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your body, Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, careless in the care of God, and you count far more to him than birds. Has anyone by fussing in front of the mirror ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? No, that hasn't worked for me. I haven't gained an inch since I was a teen. And ever since then, I've been worried so much. It hasn't gotten me taller. All this time and money wasted on fashion. Do you think it makes that much difference? Instead of looking at the fashions, walk out into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never prim or shop, but have you ever seen color and design quite like it? The ten best-dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. And as a reference, in Luke 12, verse 25 and... um, it says, "Do who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? We worry about things that we cannot do anything about anyway. We get stressed about things that we have no control over. And notice that not only that, we make ourselves miserable, but we also make the people around us miserable. You know, we can bring other people down when we're miserable. Why? Because who wants to be miserable by themselves? Who wants to worry alone, right? We definitely love company. You know that saying, misery, misery loves company. And for me, this is something I'm very good at. When I'm worried, you know, it'll show on my face. You know, I'll walk around at home with a frown on my face and I'll just be Mr. Grumpy. But what is God saying? If the birds are being taken care of, God says, I will take care, I will take care of you. Do you see any stressed out birds out there? No, we don't see that, right? But, you know, God has given us more than we need. And I'm going to say that again. God has given us more than we need. We've got more food than we need. We've got more clothes than we need. We've got more things than we need. And my mother-in-law, she, um, every Saturday morning, she, uh, she'll hit the garage sales in Camarillo. Yeah, she'll buy a lot of the good, you know, the new things and the good-conditioned things. And what she'll do is, you know, she'll ship it out, you know, she'll send it to the Philippines, and, and there it's gonna be resold. So because people have so much things and stuff around, she, you know, she made a business out of it. But we all have more than we need. If God bless us with many things, amen, but we worry about the new things we want to get. My daughter Christine, she's been convicting me lately, and once in a while, out of nowhere, she'll ask me, are you happy? I'll get convicted because here's her dad, who's supposed to be a Christian, and I guess she thinks I'm not happy, or I'm not looking happy, you know, walking uh, around, stressed out. In my head, I'm like, how come you don't ask mommy that? <laughs> I've never heard her ask uh, Maricel you know, that question. It's only me. And, but, you know, I believe that God does talk through our kids. And I, I need to listen to that. And my question for you is, are you happy? Are you a Christian atheist, a Christian atheist that believes in God? you still worry all the time. Are you at peace? Are you content? And are you enjoying your life? Or is your life on hold? When this happens, then I'll be happy. When I finally get this job, then I'll be happy. When I finally get the boyfriend or girlfriend, then I'll be happy. It's... And let me tell you something about marriage. We're going to be going on um, 10 years, a couple of months, two months. And marriage is an awesome thing. And it's a wonderful thing. But if you weren't happy before you got married, you're not going to be happy after you get married. And as a a matter of fact, you go from one unhappy person to two unhappy people. So marriage is not going to be the cure to make you happy. You know, possessions will not make us happy. No. The more possessions you have, the more worries and anxieties you'll have. Possessions is not the cure either. It's actually more stress. Yeah. And for I pray that you God blesses you with many things, but if a hurricane or an earthquake came through, if you have nothing, then you lose nothing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we've heard of the earthquake in you. New Zealand just this week. You no, know, a lot of lives and properties lost. And we, hate, we hear about cars that get smashed after a tree falls on it, after heavy winds. And if you don't have a car, that's not your worry. That's not what you're thinking about. O- owning a home. You know, you got to think about insurance, flood insurance, they added that, maintenance, repairs, mortgage, gas bills, water bills. You no, know, Bills to make you, so that they pick up your garbage. You know, it makes you dizzy just thinking about just, just having this one thing. And me, for me, Bill Pain, you know, once a month, I, I think that's when I act crazy. No, it's not just the women that act crazy once a month. You know, I, I, can, be, I can be grumpy, I can be irritable, I can walk around like a little Hitler. And my wife is probably like, who is this guy? Demon, come out of him. You know, I can think about why is nothing going right? What's wrong with people? Why don't I have this or that? And I think what, what I'm getting at is that we've got to be careful when we ask God. You know, God give me this. God give me that. And when God gives it to us, we're still not happy. And I want to go back to married people. I want to share this scripture in Ecclesiastes um, 9. In verse 9, says, Enjoy life with your wife, whom you love. All the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun. All your meaningless days. For this is your lot li- in life and in your toilsome labor under the sun. Are you enjoying life? you enjoying life with your wife? Or are you constantly bickering and fighting? You're arguing all the time. And I'm not saying, you know, my wife and I don't do that. We always do that. My wife and I can fall into into these things too. We'll argue about paper towels. We'll argue about our in-laws. Can you relate to that? We'll argue about our business and how it's run. You know, but there's Other couples that can't communicate. There's no romance. And when you think about it, how miserable is that? No, should I buy this? Or no, you can't buy that. Come on, let the girl buy her shoes or her bag. (laughs) And you know, they'll fight about these things. And then she'll be like, You won't let me buy myself, I'm gonna make you miserable. You'll make each other miserable. And I don't want all the women going on a shopping spree after after church, okay? Don't get me in trouble with the brothers. You know, just be wise with your spending. But you know, the Bible says there's a few things more miserable than a woman that is unloved. Is your wife feeling unloved? Are you enjoying life? Stop worrying. You know, I think. You know, same thing with the wives. You know, let the husband do things that he likes. And better yet, do things that you both like. Enjoy life. You know, we can focus on all these worries, and we'll just stop enjoying life. And how about the singles? You know, are you discontent? And, you know, there are so many people that try to find the ladder of success and fulfillment only to find disappointment at the end of the road. No, because they're all doing it for the selfish reasons. And Jesus said, seek first the kingdom. And then all these things will be given to you as well. What Jesus is trying to do here is give us the secret to life. Put your faith in God. Don't worry about all this stuff. I will take care of you, he says. If you seek me first, I will give you the life you've always dreamed of. And I will give you peace that other people can't understand. Why? Because your heart and soul will be filled with the right things. And that's God. Are you enjoying life? Do you have great times with each other? Are you encouraging one another? Do we do that? Or are you just into your own little life? Here in church, you know, we've got the same people, you know, pretty much serving all the time. I believe these are the people enjoying life. They are the people that have something to give. And, you know, they're able to give it to others. And I believe that those who are not willing to serve, you know, whether it's the children's ministry, it's ushering, or some sort of leadership, if you're not willing to contribute to any of these, you're worried about yourself, and you're worried about your life, and you're just thinking about you. That's being a Christian atheist. And I'm not saying life will not have troubles or challenges. But what I'm saying is that it shouldn't be all that. You no, know, Every minute of your life is not going to be all challenge. And you know, we know Jesus said to take up your cross daily and follow him, but not every minute of your life. You know, you, Your life wasn't meant to be miserable every minute. You weren't meant to be going around saying, whoa, it's me. Nothing is going right with my life. I've got too much problems. I've got too much stress. What kind of life is that? Yeah. And then you're gonna go tell people, come join my church. You know, and people are gonna be like, What? You know, I'm already miserable as I'm it is. <laughs> you no, know, when you're worried, you know, you can't you're probably not even sharing your faith. We've got to give our problems to God. And in Philippians 4, this is uh, Paul uh, talking, and he says, Rejoice in the Lord. Always, I will say it again, rejoice. You know, how often do we rejoice, church? Always. If we're going to heaven, we should always have something to rejoice about. You know, Christian atheists don't understand that. You know, he says, I will say it again, rejoice. I think he had to say it again because people were like, what? (laughs) I didn't hear that. You know, rejoice, I will say it again. And he goes on in verse 5. He says, Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do not be anxious about anything. Rejoice in the Lord always. As Christians, as disciples, we should be people that are enjoying life. We should be people that is happier than anyone else on earth. It doesn't mean we have more. It just means that we have found the key to true life. I've got God in my life. There is nothing to be stressed out about. Are you laughing a lot these days? And uh, speaking of laughter, here's another story. A minister went to visit one of the early ed- elderly members of his church. You know, I-, I like these minister jokes. The minister sat down and noticed a large bowl of peanuts on the table. And the minister loved peanuts, so he couldn't help himself. And, and you know, he went over to the table and started eating the peanuts. And so... He felt guilty after eating half the bowl. And so when the elderly person came, he confessed and said, I'm sorry, I ate half of your peanuts. And the old person responded, that's okay, since I lost my teeth, all I could do is suck the chocolate off the (laughs) (laughs) M&M's. I like that one, that was pretty uh but moral of the story, ask before you eat anyone's peanuts. But anyway, laughter, that's what, that's what it is. Let's turn to Acts 16. It's gross, right? All right. Okay. This one, um, Acts 16, you'll have to look up in your Bibles if you have it. Okay, it's a, it's a pretty long passage. Yeah, but just a little background before we read this. Uh, this is about Paul and Silas who had helped a woman a woman who was able to predict the future. And so other people use her to be able to make money off her abilities. It's like going to Vegas and you, you have this person who can predict the numbers. So because this person knew the numbers, you know, you can win um, whatever game you're playing. And so... This woman, Paul and Silas healed her, you know. And so when they were no longer making money from this woman, they got mad at Paul and they and had him had them thrown in jail. And starting in uh, verse nineteen in Acts sixteen, uh, I'll just read it or read it in your Bibles. Verse nineteen says, "When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized." After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their seats, feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open At everyone's, chain, everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because the, because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole household. Let's stop right there. You know, what would you, do, have, what would you have done in this situation? Paul and Silas was trying to do good. And because they tried to do good, they were mistreated that day. They were beaten. They were thrown in jail. And they were just struggling in a difficult situation. But what did they do? Did they have a pity party? Did they start complaining? Did they worry? You know, why did this happen to me, to me or to us? I tried to do what was right, and things are all, bad things are always happening. No, no, the Bible says they were just singing. They were praying. They were praising God. And who can do that while being in prison? You know, praising God. What do you do when life gives you that unexpected blow? What do you do when things don't go as you expected? What is your attitude when things go wrong? You know, we're all trying to go someplace. Some of us are just trying to raise our children. We're, some of us are just trying to have a great marriage. We're trying to build our career. Maybe just trying to get out of school. And I don't know, but as you're trying to get there, how is your journey? Are you having a good time? And the reality is, you might not get there. You might not reach that. But here, Paul and Silas going through something that was not in their plan. When they woke up that morning, they did not pray, God, let me get beaten today. Let me get be beaten today. Let me get thrown in prison. Let me get... Mistreated. They didn't pray that. No, they just woke up like you and me. You know, we were the, we intent, they weren't in, intending to do good. They left the house just like you left the house this, this morning. But they ended up being in a miserable situation. And they're praising God, you know, while in that prison. And this is when they, you know, the, Paul came up with rejoice always. You know, he was in prison when he said that. Count your blessings, not your misfortunes. Paul and Sire refused to let their situation and environment and circumstances to control them. They rejoiced always. Because of their faith, the jailer and his household were saved. And I believe that uh, people are watching you. You know, our kids can be watching us. Your family can be watching you. Your neighbors can be watching you, looking over the fence. Your co-workers, you know, they're they're watching you. And you can't be a Christian atheist who's here on Sundays, but then on Monday, you're being back to being miserable, being worried about your life. What kind of Christianity is that? You see, people can be saved even though we are going through challenges, even though we're going through stuff. Some of us can't wait until we get our lives in order. When my life is in order, I'll share my faith. When I get things fixed, then I, will be, then I will serve. Then I will be an awesome Christian. When things are going right, then I can help other people. When my marriage becomes this or that, no, it doesn't work like that. Life does not work like that. It's up and down. We know that. There will be storms, there will be struggles, and that's how life works. It's a roller coaster, not a a merry-go-round. And God wants people to see him through the life we live. We need to share the good news in good times and bad times. We've got to understand that Jesus said, don't worry. Don't worry about your life. I'll take care of you. Just seek me first, he says. Just do my will, and I will bless you more than you can imagine. That's his promise. But we will never see this if we spend time worrying about our life. And just to uh, close out, um, you know, I believe the healthy approach to dealing with worry and anxiety is, you know, not just to sit back and kick your feet up. But we have to act responsibly. We have to prepare to, uh, to build and to expect God will work through our lives. The question that forms the basis of most anxiety and worry is this, who do you believe in more, God or yourself? And I think the process of uh, ridding oneself of worry and anxiety, is, it's, it's hard, it's difficult. But it's worth the struggle. And may you come to experience more faith and less fear, more trust, and less worry in your lives. Amen. God bless you.